Beyond Belief Sobriety is a podcast and community for people who are seeking or who have found a secular path to recovery from addictions of all kinds. Hello, and thank you for listening. This episode features a conversation with Casey Canizaro, a board member of Life Ring Secular Recovery. I enjoyed talking with Casey, and I learned a few things about Life Ring as well. I think you'll like this episode, but before we get started, I would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Soberlink. We need to talk about alcohol recovery in the workplace. Talking about sobriety and proving it to your employer can be so difficult. And our friends at Soberlink want to help. If you need a reliable way to present documented proof of sobriety to a boss or loved one, Soberlink can help. Soberlink is a high-tech portable breathalyzer system that uses facial recognition technology to verify identity, has unique sensors to ensure that no other air sources are being used, and sends results directly to your specified contacts so there's no questioning whether or not you took the test and whether or not you altered the reporting. This is why Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring system is considered the gold standard. Being in recovery from alcohol does not define the future of your career. Let Soberlink help. Learn more about Soberlink and request an exclusive $50 off promo code by visiting Soberlink.com BBS. And now, episode 283 about Life Ring Secular Recovery with Casey Canazaro. The first thing I want to say, because I, I think it could be important for listeners to hear this, is that when I, um, when Mary Beth first reached out, uh, Mary Beth, another Life Ring board member, she reached out and asked if I'd like to talk about Life Ring on your podcast. I was a little bit hesitant at first. And the reason was because I um, had seen some of your YouTube comment and our co- YouTube content. And then I looked uh, at the list of your episodes and um, I saw so much AA involvement and I said, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be a good fit um, because so much of my own personal experience is acknowledging that AA and 12-step programs are a really important part of history uh, and they work for a lot of people. Um, but so much of my own experience is about finding something other than AA because uh, I didn't have the best experience with AA and I kind of ran and uh, searched for something else. But I'm really glad that I had that experience because the next thing that I did was listen to a handful of your episodes and um, I embraced the the differences. And I'm so glad that I did, because as I listened to those episodes, especially the later ones, I heard something miraculous uh, happening. And it was like an open mindedness and a willingness uh, to question things. And that's where it started for me. And I, I love that. Um, you know, I questioned a lot of things and um, I heard on your previous episodes uh, numerous times the importance of uh, or the value in motivational interviewing, just for one example. And motivational interviewing is something that is really becoming a huge part of the way that we do treatment these days. And it's not something that really lends to the tenets of the AA program. And so hearing you uh, talk about it and ask questions and then introduce guests from uh, other guests from Life Ring and Smart Recovery and uh, talk about refuge recovery, recovery dharma, and ask questions about harm reduction. I said, you know what? This is the perfect fit for uh, a podcast for me. So I'm happy to say all that. What has happened is, uh, so I've gone through an evolution. So um, I got, I, I st- my recovery started out in 1988 and it was AA because that's all I knew at the time. And I was in there for 25 years 
realized I was an atheist and started talking about the program in my own language and it wasn't welcomed. So I started a secular AA group, met some people that are in secular AA and started this podcast. So in the early years, the podcast was focused on secularizing the 12 steps. You know, it was all about that. But gradually over time, I evolved kind of away from AA to the point where now I don't even consider myself a member of AA, but rather just a person in recovery who's interested in secular paths to recovery. And so that's what you're seeing when you look back at the early episodes to the later episodes. There's a there's a big transition that has taken place. And uh, I think that's what recovery is all about. Is, you know, we, it's never the same as long as we continue to grow. I, I love that. And I love that the first word that you used to describe it was evolution. And there's a notebook in front of me that I probably will never refer to, but I wrote down some notes. The biggest word on the notebook, and I, I can't show it to you because my handwriting is too messy, uh, but the biggest word on here is evolution. And um, I believe that that is so important to uh, each of our recovery journeys. And you know, leading into LifeRing a little bit, my favorite thing uh, about LifeRing is I've asked this question over the years as I pursued an education in substance use treatment counseling and I'm working on a coaching certification. I'm always asking the question, is it possible for a recovery organization to evolve uh, as quickly and as efficiently, maybe efficiently isn't the best word there, but as quickly uh, as and thoroughly as our understanding of addiction and recovery and treatment is evolving. And um, you know, I don't know that when it comes to like 12 step programs that the answer to that is, is yes, certainly a big uh, part of my hesitation uh, to continue with them is the lack of evolution. You have people in a room pointing to a book that was written uh, 80 years ago going, it's all in here. Everything that we need is in here, not acknowledging all of the changes and the research and the experience and the, and the oh, writing. And, and I'll tell you what, being stuff. familiar with that world, world, that is becoming more and more of a problem all the time. The book is like 80 years old. When I started out, Casey, it was 50 years old and I, and I was like 25 and I thought, this is a really old book. It is now 80 freaking years old. And so the uh, people that are coming in now are presenting this book. It would be like presenting me a book at that time that was written like in the 1800s or something. It's just absolutely. So it is presenting a problem now. And But I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go with that. But you're right. You are absolutely right about that. Anyway, sorry for interrupting you. No, that's great. What what that reminds me of is another book. Uh, this book in particular was written about two thousand years ago, and people <laughs> like to use it to right. um, to point out, you know, their belief system and There's different that things. And book, <laughs> yes. And I have personally called, uh, you know, to me a lot of twelve step ideology. It reminds me of like the organized religion of the recovery world, and certainly some people seek that out, and some people need it. I uh, was not not one of them, and. I want to go back to that word evolution and that question that I ask, is it possible for a recovery organization to evolve? When I first started to get involved in LifeRing, it was really important to me uh, that there was that evolution. And at first I didn't know I joined, I was invited to and joined the board of directors and I showed up kind of uh, hesitating, like, okay, is, is there an open-mindedness here that I need as things change? Are we willing to take a look at them? And I'm happy to say that a few hours ago, I was in a uh, life ring meeting uh, with the strategic planning committee for life ring. Um, and we were talking about some things like language, like the word abstinence, like, is it necessary to have that uh, throughout? Is that the message that we really want to communicate? Um, don't let the uh, best be the enemy of the good. If abstinence is a goal for a lot of people is putting abstinence in the forefront of everything. I'm um, going to 
uh, allow people that may not be there yet or may not want to be there? Uh, is it going to help them to feel included? Um, and so we were talking about that and we were talking about how much the word sobriety shows up. Is it time um, to look at our philosophy and um, really look at the wording? And, and I love that. That's what I'm, I'm there for is that we're something interesting. Um, something interesting. And again, I'm sorry for interrupting, but um, I took a course here in Missouri to become a certified peer support specialist. And that was a great opportunity for me to learn about recovery and what's going on in my state. But interestingly enough, what I learned um, in like, I think the very first course is they gave us the definition of recovery and that, that SAMHSA came up with. And nowhere in that definition does it mention sobriety or abstinence but what it does talk about is a process of change and so i have latched on to that as what recovery is it's a process of change where i build a healthier more productive life to be the best that i can be and i agree that i think it's a it's a worthy conversation to have you know should abstinence be in the language and sh- you know because you want to meet people where they are and not everybody is ready for, for that, but they are ready for some change. Yeah. And I, uh, I remember you talking about that on a previous episode. That <laughs> well, there's a moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I had to, um, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed every second. Um, and so, you know, that definition of recovery and right before, I think right before you press record, you commented on the, uh, how much you've seen life ring grow. And I got involved in life ring just before um, the lockdown of the pandemic. And so my first month of meetings were in-person meetings. After that, everything shifted online. So 98% of my experience in life ring has been uh, online. And I watched uh, the first meeting I ever went to, I think there were five of us there. And I, I love that about it. But when it shifted online, all of a sudden we had 10 and then 20 and then 30 and then 40 and then 50 people in online life ring meetings. And uh, now there are, we probably added a couple hundred of meetings in the last uh, couple of years that have attendance uh, upwards of 40 and 50 people. And the interesting thing to me about that is a lot of the people in these online meetings may have their video turned off or um, may just write just listening um, as their their name tag. And, um, and we have to kind of ask ourselves, well, who are these people? They're anonymous. So we can't know um, who they are. And I've watched in in my own uh, education, there are a lot of people in the world today questioning their relationship with uh, especially alcohol, but their relationship with substances. And a lot of those people may not identify uh, as an addict, as an alcoholic. They may not have ever received a formal um, uh, <clears throat> a formal diagnosis of substance use disorder. They may not be somebody with substance use disorder. They may just be showing up to get some support. Um, uh, to not drink and or not use substances. And so if those people are coming to our meetings, for me as a representative of LifeRing, it's important that we acknowledge that that may be the case uh, for a lot of these attendees and make sure that we are being inclusive of all people uh, that are seeking group support and not just, you know, not be so stringent and so rigid that you have to identify this way to be here. It's certainly not the case. We can have all different people of all different identities. That is so important. And I think one of the more promising trends that I have seen over the last few years is what I call the sober curious movement or the understanding that substance abuse is really a spectrum disorder that, you know, you can, it's, 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 it's on a, on a spectrum from this end to that end, good to bad, whatever you want to call it. And, yeah, it's it's I, I just like the idea that, you know, you know, if you want to be healthy, 
um, and you want to get healthier. And if you think alcohol or another substance is, is preventing you from achieving your goals or being healthy, there's no reason to put a label on yourself. Uh, and there's no reason to have to go so far, uh, down the, the, down the hole. Um, so yeah, I think that's great. I think it's great. I think there are more people now who are taking a look at their relationship with alcohol, especially, and, um, beginning to question it and, uh, make some decisions. Absolutely. And if somebody is, is playing around with sober curiosity, to me, that means that they uh, may not just show up and embrace uh, a completely abstinent lifestyle. There's a lot that needs to happen. And I believe that everybody is deserving of support for those things, regardless of the decisions that they're making towards their uh, recovery. And if we know that people are, are just curious and they're exploring and experimenting with their uh, relationship, can we as a recovery organization provide a space uh, for them to do that where they don't feel like they're less than or they don't feel excluded because we've set this really extreme uh, goal for them, which in, in this case is abstinence. And I said earlier, don't let the best be the enemy of the good. And if we just say abstinence is the goal, the only goal that we all need to work for, uh, then it's going to make anybody who isn't quite there yet, who may not want to be there, ultimately, it's going to make them feel less than or make them not feel included. And so I look for ways to uh, kind of get get that message out of there and say, hey, you're you're welcome here too. And the thing that I appreciate most about LifeRing uh, is they've been open to having those uh, discussions with me. And I had a great conversation with Robert Stump, who I know you had uh, on a previous episode. And Robert is a, a great guy and self-admittedly a old school kind of a traditionalist. Um, but to be able to have a discussion with Robert and hear him say, uh, yeah, I'm open to that. Let's talk more about it. Um, to me, that's why I am involved with LifeRing. That's why I keep going back because I see this uh, open-mindedness and this this um, desire to change and evolve. And that's what I connect to the most. Yes. And and, and that's, I think, important for um, anyone who's in recovery to understand too, that, you know, your your journey is going to evolve and change. And your what, what you might believe today uh, will, could very well change next week. That's always been the case with me. And so, um, and I have evidence of it because I can look back at my earlier episodes and what I believed then compared to what I what I believe now. So, can you tell us a little bit about the Life Ring program? Um, how how it's what was a Life Ring meeting like? Start there. So, Life Ring, uh, I, I've called it before. I've said it's uh, kind of a, a laid back uh, environment. Um, my my favorite. So, Life Ring is built on these uh, the philosophy of the three S philosophy and. Um, the first S is sobriety, which was one of the things we talked about this morning. Um, can we improve that wording at all? Maybe over time. The second one is secularity. There isn't uh, a precedence on uh, religion. There isn't a precedence not on religion. We just it's just not important. So for somebody like me, who you know I'm a spiritual person, I have a pretty uh, deep connection to the universe, but I don't. Recovery is different for me. It, it's not a spiritual thing. It's not, I don't want to say it's not a spiritual thing, but it's not a, a God thing. It's not a, I don't have to have religion mixed into it. So it doesn't go in one direction or the other. So something like, um, you know, certain sects of AA may be like not uh, religious at all. Life ring isn't. There are a lot of, of spiritual and religious people in the life ring organization. And then the third one is uh, self-direction or self-empowerment. And that's my favorite. When I first showed up to a life free meeting and they were throwing away, throwing away, throwing around the word empowerment, I was like, what does that even mean? I didn't know I was 37 years old, I think, and I'd never uh, thought of, can I feel empowered in my recovery? And so I really stuck to that and I wanted to know what it meant and especially what it meant uh, in, in the perspective of 
my recovery. And it basically just means that each person's recovery is an acknowledgement that each person's recovery can and does look different. And LifeRing is encouraging of people kind of finding their own path and going to uh, their, their different meetings, different support groups, trying on a lot of things, seeing if they like them. Um, there isn't like, this is the, the rules and you must follow them. There isn't, this is the path, the work that you need to do. Each person is encouraged and empowered to do uh, whatever work that they want that can be beneficial. And then we show up to a meeting, which is a group of people. The topic of a lot of life free meetings is how was your week, which is really just a prompt and a lead into, hey, you know, what's going on for you? What do you want to talk about uh, as it relates to your recovery or, you know, as it doesn't relate to your recovery? And here's a group of people that have some shared life experiences, some um, different life experiences that can provide each other um, support. Another thing that happened in my first few life free meetings that blew me away was crosstalk. Uh, somebody would share uh, in in the case of my first meeting. I showed up to my first meeting. I was a wreck. I was in treatment at the time. I cried through most of my share, and I'd had the experience of doing that in like an AA room, and then it just moves on. Super vulnerable, uh, needing like a hand on my back or somebody to just say, "Me too, Casey. Me too. I've been through that." Um, but it would just move on to the next person, and then on to the next person. And I can see, you know, a value in that, though. I doesn't work for me. Um, so in a life for me, I shared and I was crying and super vulnerable and um, somebody like talked to me. They, they gave me support like there face to face. And that really that moment changed my life. And then that happened uh, time and time again. And then I saw other people show up and connect to that and go, what's what's happening here? A lot of times it required like an explanation, like, yeah, it's OK uh, to support each other. And so um, those are kind of the uh, basic tenets is that, you know, you create a, a personal recovery plan. It can look a thousand, a million different ways if you wanted to. Um, and if, you know, if there's anything that I, as I was recommending people check out LifeRing, it's definitely less uh, rigid, but also less structured, I would say, uh, than something like a 12-step program. Uh, and there are people who maybe need that structure uh, the extra structure. And so maybe for some people it's not structured enough, um, but it can be if you wanted to, and you can use it to supplement uh, other things that you're doing in recovery. Is it, is it somewhat similar to, to smart, which I'm more familiar with where, where there are like specific tools that are based upon cognitive behavioral therapy that you, that you like recommend? Um, is there anything like that at all? Or is it just more of a, just a mutual support group? Mutual support. I'm a huge fan of SMART. SMART is very science-based. Uh, I know that the SMART facilitators undergo um, the training uh, and they take on a little bit more of a leadership role than say the person who is in life ring, we call them, we call the person a convener. Uh, and the person really is just there to facilitate the discussion and make sure uh, that it's going in the right direction and um, kind of manage the meeting. There isn't any uh, suggestions of uh, use this, this tool or that tool. There isn't any um, underlying uh, clinical methodology like um, SMART uses CBT. So it's more, it's, it's kind of like the most laid back version of a mutual help support group. I can see how that would be va valuable, actually. I, I mean, there, there's good in all of these things. I mean, all, all of these recovery programs have, you know, benefits to them that might, might be great for one person and not so great for another person. Um, I think there's, it's a good idea to kind of mix and match some things. Uh, I, when I, when I, and I hate people from smart get so upset with me when I compare it to other, other programs, but I can't help but do this. Um, I love smart recovery. I love it. And I've been to a lot of the meetings there and, and I, and I, I love the program 
And then I've, and, but I've, most of my experience has been with AA. What AA does really good, in my opinion, is it is a, is a strong sense of community. Smart because of the facilitator aspect of it. It feels it's it feels like you're more like in a group therapy session than it does in with a group of friends who are being supportive. And without having really been to a life ring meeting, I I wonder if 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 it's more towards that you know that feeling of you're you're there with friends who are supporting you in your goals, not necess- not necessarily there to have a facilitator suggest a tool that you can practice there in front of everybody. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's what. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and I think that's great too. And I, I'm so glad that that uh, exists. And uh, I showed up for to life ring and life ring just fit uh, like immediately. It felt good. Uh, had it not I, the next place I probably would have spent a lot of time, I uh, would have been smart recovery and I probably would have found a lot of really great, valuable things there. Um, but for now, you know, working as someone who's a treatment professional, I, I recommend Smart Recovery um, oftentimes. And I think it's a great resource for a lot of people. It definitely has those elements um, to what you said. And uh, LifeRing, again, is, yeah, like a group of, uh, you know, friends with something in common getting together. And you, I wrote down somewhere in my messy notebook, um, you know, what are the, the factors that you can find throughout in any of these programs? Certainly community, you mentioned connection. Um, support something that uh, AA has that LifeRing hasn't really achieved yet is convenience. And uh, I remember learning this about the fast food industry a long time ago. What makes, you know, the McDonald's as popular as it is something that people don't think about often. But if you're in um, Australia and um, you walk into McDonald's and order a Big Mac, you're going to get the same exact Big Mac that you get here in San Diego. And that convenience factor that you can walk into a location that's 6,000 miles away and know exactly what you're going to get is a huge benefit to something like AA or NA that you can be anywhere. You can be traveling and you can go to a meeting and the generally the format of the meeting is going to be very similar and something that you're used to. Uh, while life ring is international and there are um, hundreds of meetings all over, we don't have that uh, scope uh, quite yet. I think you're in Kansas city. I don't think life ring has any meetings in Kansas city, but a good thing about that is that, you know, if, if a, so for me, my needs in recovery have evolved and changed uh, a lot in the last three years. And uh, so I, uh, in the beginning was going to a different meeting every, every day of the week. I don't, I don't feel like I, I need that uh, anymore, but there are, have been specific needs that I have had. And one of those was um, a, a meeting for um, specific parts of my identity. And so I went to LifeRing and I said, hey, you know, I, I'd like to have a meeting that's very specific to this aspect of my life. What do you think? They're like, yeah, let's do it. Go ahead. No questions asked. And I created a meeting for um, for queer individuals that wanted a secular path to recovery. And that was awesome. And it showed me that LifeRing was willing to get behind me and back this thing because it meant that the word was getting out and more people would have this safe space to come to. Um and then they asked me to join the board of directors and that was, has been really uh, fantastic. And I've seen people come with similar things. Somebody said, Hey, I'd love to have a Polish speaking meeting. Yeah, let's make it happen. And LifeRing does everything that they can within their resources um, to help make that happen. So if you were to show up to LifeRing and love it, um, but something wasn't, some need wasn't being met, there is a way within LifeRing to make that happen. And that is again, that evolution process that I'm in love with. So tell me this, Casey, what do you attribute? Okay, we understand that life ring has just grown exponentially since COVID. What is it that's attracting people? How are they finding it? Why are they why are they finding it? 
and, and why are they deciding to go? Do you, do you have any idea of who these people are and why they're choosing LifeRing? So LifeRing, I think, really addresses uh, the things that come up in other programs that people may not be comfortable with. So one of them is the secularity aspect. That's huge, but it's not the, the only one. Um, for me, there was uh, in my time in, in 12 Steps, there was that, that hierarchical structure that just made me really uncomfortable. And so I could walk into a room and here is a person being valued at a really high level because they have, I don't know, 30 years of sobriety. Uh, and, and then come to find out that they're like the biggest asshole uh, in the room. But there's so much like praise for the person because they have 30 years. Um, so Life Ring doesn't really have that uh, hierarchical structure. There isn't um, sponsorship. Um, there are things about sponsorship that have always made me uncomfortable. Same, same here. Uh, unfortunately, there are some uh, groups that have really abused that. That it could, when, it, when it's done right and done well, it could be really good. But so often it's not. Yeah, and there's and there's a documentary I, I watched a couple of years actually I watched this uh, in school uh, called the Thirteenth Step, which really it's a documentary. It's kind of you know one sided. It's what documentaries are, um, but it has a lot of really good information about some of the things that have gone wrong uh, because of uh, sponsorship. And so uh, that's one. I can go to a lot of life ring meetings and not know uh, how long somebody has been clean and sober and to someone in AA that might sound uh, awful or dangerous, but it, it's really not like we're all there uh, for a common purpose. It really doesn't matter uh, in that dynamic on the lifelong platform. It really doesn't matter um, what drug of choice, what was someone's drug of choice? Maybe it's behavioral. That doesn't matter. I don't need to go into a specific room because my drug of choice was benzodiazepines or methamphetamine. We can all coexist in one place. We don't have to hide our language and uh, say alcohol when we're really talking about cocaine um, so that's very free and welcoming. And then there, there are a lot of uh, folks who have not had great experiences in 12-step programs for those reasons and others. And those folks need like a safe space to, to talk about it. There are people who constantly come to life meetings that are going through that deprogramming process that uh, I've been, you know, there are things that pop into my head and I'm like, where did that come from? Like that, that's bullshit. That's not real. Like that's not fact. It's not truth. Where did that come from? And it's from something that, you know, was ingrained in me in a 12 step program five or 10 years ago or 20 years and ago. And I so relate to that. I so relate to that. Um, having, so yeah, you know, I pretty much grew up in, in AA. I mean, I, from a young adult to an older adult, I spent most of, most of my life there. And, um, even I'm, I'm just recognizing when I, when I, when you first came on here, I talked about your story because stories are so freaking important in AA. I did the same thing with somebody from smart recovery. He said, story, that, <laughs> I, why, why do you want to hear my story? It, it's not that important. Is story that is, is, is the story important in life ring? Do you go around and share your stories like they do in 12 step meetings? That is a, a great uh, question. And in, in LifeRing, it, it, it's not it's not evident uh, like that. It's not important. Very rarely will anybody get into um, a story. I can see the value in it in some instances. Uh, for example, uh, I have shared my story on a, in a few different platforms because my story is a little bit unique in that I my uh, substance use, my recovery uh, goes kind of hand in hand with things about my identity. I came out as a bisexual man in 2019, right when I uh, got sober. 
and there are not a lot of resources for uh, men who identify as bisexual or uh, men who may identify as gender fluid, which I also do. And so uh, my personal story, um, I feel like is important in some platforms because um, that intersection where mental health intersects with substance use and recovery intersects with identity uh, is a valuable one um, for people to hear. Um, and not to say that anyone's personal story isn't as valuable, um, but the same kind of uh, hashing out of details of, um, you know, in and out of jail or, you know, whatever the case may be, um, not as important. But there were times where I, I connected with that part of AA. It felt good to hear somebody say things that I could relate to. Uh, but as much as it happens and is done, probably not important. And definitely Life Ring doesn't put a precedent on that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm training myself not to so much because it's, it gets a little ridiculous after a while. If you've been, if you've been sober for a long time, it's like, why am I talking about something that happened all that time ago? <laughs> it just, it's, and even with you, I thought it was kind of, you know, it was nice. You said, yeah, I, I could, I could tell you a little bit of my story, but I'd really like to talk about life ring. And that's really what's important. The recovery aspect is more important than whatever happened. Yeah. And I want people to know, um, you know, I've talked about my story. I can talk about my story. It's an interesting one. And it's funny to me that I find it interesting because it's my own story. Uh, but you know, for, for what we were talking about today, definitely, uh, not important. What I want people to hear when they listen to this episode is that life ring is a great resource that it's available, that it's growing, uh, that it's evolving and changing that we're open-minded that we, um, love to have people come in and question, uh, anything that we're doing because that's only going to advance us and, uh, make us better. So those things to me are way more important than, you know, what I was doing when I was 17 years old. You're right. One other thing I wanted to ask you. Okay, so I've 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 been to the LifeRing website and I was looking at your online meetings and so forth. They also had text only meetings. Do you still have those? So there are, yeah, there are text only meetings, and then there are email support groups, and there are members of LifeRing who that's what they do, and that is their recovery, and that's how they get support, and it works. I've been to text meetings, um, and, and just I, I've been to meetings with people where I'm just typing, not speaking. I like it. I don't know what it is, but there's a different there's a different level of communication doing it that way. If, if someone out there is listening and they haven't actually tried that, it's a unique experience. And I, I think I might want to try some of those in Life Ring um, that they're going on because I don't know. There's something about that I like. It's something about it I like. Uh, maybe it's because people are succinct. You know, they get to the point, and there's something more personal that is coming out that way. And, and, and for some reason, I think, I don't know. I think it's a unique experience. I'm glad that you guys do that. I think there's a lot to what you just said. I think that some people are more comfortable being vulnerable with something like face-to-face interaction removes, something like camera, uh, online camera being removed. And that's exactly them- what I found. I, w- I was in a text only meeting for whatever reason, there's, um, I, I, I am, I, I, I'll, I'll share things that I might not normally share if someone has seen me, if I'm, if I'm face to face, there's that, that, I don't know. It's a, it's a hard thing to understand, but if, if, if someone hasn't ever had a meeting where it's text only, you should really try it because it's a different experience and you might find that you start sharing things in that kind of an environment that you might not otherwise. It's just, it's just different. It's just different. Anyway, I like it. (laughs) So enough said. I I agree with you completely. And and, and if if it's going to benefit somebody, if somebody shows up and says, Hey, I think doing this would benefit my recovery. I'm open to let's talk about it. Let's, 
uh, find a way. And if, if it's one thing that we can do that's going to benefit your recovery, likely there are other people that are going to benefit um, from that thing too. And a lot of times there'll be discussion in our online meetings about people showing up and not having their camera on. And, you know, I, I think to these people that are, uh, you know, may not be familiar with recovery, they may not be familiar with recovery meetings, and it may be really comforting for them to be able to show up and not have their camera on. Me personally, uh, I get really deep and dark sometimes and vulnerable. So I like when people have their cameras on. But if there are people showing up that don't want to have their camera on and, and I don't want to be there, let's create a space so that people can be there and not have their camera on because these are people who want recovery too. And so for me, it's not about whether the camera should be on or not be on. It's about having space where people that like to have their camera on can be there and get recovery and people that I don't like to have their camera on can be there and get recovery too. And that goes for uh, the email groups and the texting group. If that's how somebody likes to do their recovery, let's provide a space for them to do that. I think LifeRing is the only organization I know of that, that makes that available. Um, also back in the 1990s, I did an email group, an email AA group it was. Um, and I enjoyed that too. I got to meet people from all over the world and how, you know, it was, it was just interesting. I learned, I learned a lot from doing that, that I wouldn't have learned just by going to meetings in, in my own town here. But that was a long time. That's a long time ago. It's hard to believe that it was that long ago, but yeah, that, that kind of, I guess the late 1990s that I was doing that anyway, enough said, enough, enough said on that. It's just, just an interesting phenomenon. Um, I do, I do like though, that, that we have all these online meetings, whether they be text or whether they be video, uh, it does make it does make um, recovery more accessible. It gives people an opportunity to try it out. I remember um, I I remember going to my first meeting, and at that time everything was face to face. And I um, actually went to the door of the meeting um, for like two weeks before I actually opened it up. There was something about actually going to a meeting that terrified me, you know. And it's nice that you can have the opportunity to just log on, you know, a zoom meeting and you don't even have to turn your camera on and you can experience it and not have to worry about, did somebody see me walk in the door or whatever that you might be worried about? I, I am, I'm smiling as you say that because I, I love recovery. I'm sure you've picked up on that. I get kind of passionate when I talk about it, but I don't know that I will ever drive somewhere to go to an in-person meeting again, because I can attend a meeting uh, in my kitchen uh, with no pants on if I want. And there's zero travel time associated with it. And I can have great conversations and have all my recovery needs met with people that are like all over the world. To me, it doesn't get any better than that. And while this is available to me, I can't ever see myself like stopping at a gas station and filling up my gas tank, um, you know, to go meet somebody. But that being said, there are a lot of people who really love face-to-face meetings. And so another thing that I love about LifeRing is they're working really hard to get face-to-face meetings uh, back up and running, but we'll never go back to only having face-to-face meetings because uh, if, if nothing else, this the pandemic and having meetings move online has shown that this is the, the best way for growth. This is the best way to get the message out. This is the best way to get lots of different people and lots of different places support. And when I show up to those meetings and see people with uh, their cameras off. Sometimes I ask myself, are these folks who would be in these meetings if it were face to face? Probably not. And if they were, they'd probably be like you and waiting outside for two weeks or maybe never um, coming back. And the fact the fact that we're able to make self, uh, mutual help and um, support and recovery support available um, to anyone anywhere. I, I love that. 
So I'm I'm just really happy to see that that Life Ring is growing um, a lot as much as it has uh, through this uh, pandemic, I guess, which is still still going on. Um, I'm like you. I I uh, I stopped going to face to face meetings. The the um, the pandemic really changed me a lot. So for whatever reason, I um, I didn't really get into the um, Zoom secular AA meetings. I got some started for my home group, but I really didn't like it so much. But I was getting a lot out of uh, the podcast itself, you know, talking to all the different people I I get to talk to from different walks of recovery and learning. And I decided that, you know what, I'm going to retire from AA. I'm no longer an AA member. I'm not really interested in that. I might go to a meeting every once in a while if I want to, but I'm not, I'm not invested in that. But I, I, I wanted to just kind of build my own community around this podcast. So now I just have a, I have a meeting like once a week for listeners. If you're a listener out there and you want to attend this meeting, it's on Tuesday at 7. We just play a, a clip from a previous episode, and then we go around and talk, use that as kind of the basis of conversation is what we do for that meeting. But I found it's been really satisfying for me to, to have that, just to build a community around, around this has is, is been helpful to me. And I, and I like not having to be um, pegged down as a certain, in a certain category of person in recovery either. I can just be whatever I want and go whatever kind of meeting I want to, which honestly I say I can do that, but really anybody can do that. And I would recommend it that you mix and match different types of meetings. If you're, if you're, you know, just wanting to learn about the different types of groups that are out there. I, I like that a lot. I like hearing that. And I'm excited for kind of how your ev- evolution and that is going to um, continue. And as you were talking about it, I was thinking, you know, throughout the course of the uh, pandemic, there was one time I, I was reading and I'm like, you know, it'd be great to have uh, people to discuss what I'm, I'm reading uh, with. And so I created uh, a book club with people from all over the country that could never have happened if it wasn't online. And we read like four or five books that had to do with recovery. And that was fantastic. And then I love that. I I did a a podcast episode of someone who did that, who did the same thing, a book club. And she started it on her own because she didn't, she didn't want to do any other sort of uh, support group or anything like that. So she did a a book book club and it's turned out great. Yeah, that I, that's awesome. And I, a a few months later, I found myself in like a, um, a queer men's spiritual circle that met online. And like, that was something I couldn't have done if it wasn't online various recovery groups. Uh, I've been to meetings like all over the world uh, because they're on the online platform, different recovery organizations, just so many things that I never would have done. And now I have this mentality of if if the kind of support that I need in my life right now, uh, it doesn't exist, um, let, me, let me create it. And because if I need this kind of support, it's very likely that somebody else needs this kind of support too. And I feel that way strongly about LifeRing. And that's why I was excited to come on to a secular uh, recovery podcast and talk about uh, life ring because it is such a great secular option for uh, recovery and uh, more people need to hear about it and it won't be for everyone and that's totally okay um, but if somebody is listening and thinking hey I like the way that sounds uh, it might be for me I encourage you to check it out because there are so many different ways to check it out some of them are text meetings and uh, online meetings where you can have your camera off online meetings where your camera has to be on if if that's what you like, everyone has their camera on, uh, meetings all over, meetings all times a day, meetings in different languages. And it's cool to be part of an organization that's growing uh, and able to sustain that growth well. Um, and, and that's really nice. 
Well, Casey, thank you so much for coming on and talking about LifeRing. I really appreciate that. Um, I want to do more of these episodes about LifeRing or have people from LifeRing come on uh, in the future as well. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you think we should hit on before we call it a night? I, I think we covered a lot. And I think for me, uh, the idea that I can be empowered in my own recovery is the one that I connected to the most. The fact that LifeRing is secular might be the thing that somebody else connects to the most. The opportunity to create a uh, personal recovery plan uh, could be something that somebody else connects with. And those to me are, are really the uh, important things that I wanted to make sure that we touched on. And we, we certainly did. And we talked about so much more. So thank you for that. All right, well, thank you. I really appreciate it. All right, John. Take care. That's another episode of Beyond Belief Sobriety. Thank you for listening. If you would like to support our podcast with recurring monthly contributions, head on over to patreon.com slash beyondbeliefsobriety or become a member of our YouTube channel. If you'd like to make a one-time contribution, then visit our website beyondbeliefsobriety.com and click on the donate button. I do appreciate your support. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back again real soon with another episode of Beyond Belief Sobriety.